challenge is going to be around the availability of uh, the infrastructure or the race for GPUs. There's already a shortage right now. Hopefully, it'll get. Uh, I think in the next few years, some of that should go down. But the infrastructure really needed to run. Uh, you know, these LLMs is is quite massive. So I, I would say data and the infrastructure uh, availability are going to be two sort of roadblocks or uh, humps on the way. And the big worry is uh, while we don't have that. the pace at which ai will learn a UK-based consultancy, and Sudhir Tiwari, Global Head of the Digital Engineering Centre at ThoughtWorks India, talk about their idea for a Jan AI as a digital public good for India. They talk about the need for such an AI stack, how we might build it, and what our challenges are in bringing the benefits of AI to the masses without compromising on how their data is used. Jaspreet, uh, Sudhir, good morning. Uh, thank you both for making time for this conversation. And of course, it's on a topic that uh, is on everyone's mind um, and now in our phones and in our devices and very soon in our homes. Um, and you both have uh, recently written about uh, an interesting way in which India could uh, take a stance in how uh, AI can be developed for uh, the public good. Can we? Can you both uh, start with a brief introductions to yourselves for our listeners? Tell us a bit about yourselves and how you got to be working together. Yeah, just by uh, introducing myself, uh, my name is Sudhir. I uh, currently head, I'm with ThoughtWorks and I currently head our global digital engineering uh, centers. Uh, been with ThoughtWorks for a long time. I used to run the data and AI practice uh, till a few months back, uh, also in ThoughtWorks. And uh, Jaspreet and I have been, we met in a conference and then uh, that was around the time Jaspreet's book had come, or just maybe before that, uh, Tech Whisperer. Uh, a lot of aligned interests on technology in the direction of technology. Uh, and I think very interested in how technology can help India leapfrog. And we've been discussing that maybe the last four or five years. Uh, so that's how Jaspreet and I really uh, ended up uh, meeting and then uh, working together. Obviously, when AI and Gen AI uh, sort of popped up, uh, I think uh, both of us were quite excited on the possibilities of uh, how that can be used. And uh, I think last uh, six months, we have been racking our brains together on the power of this technology and what's the best way, especially for a country like India, what is the best way in which it can be leveraged and used? Yeah, great. Thanks, Sudhir and Hari. Uh, good to be back on your uh, podcast uh, again. Uh, to introduce myself in my corporate avatar, I used to be with Microsoft with the Tata Group and then as a Group Chief Digital Officer for the Mahindra Group. And then over the last five years, I've been working in technologies, lately much more in AI and now generative AI, uh, across uh, writing about them, my book and other columns, uh, advising and working with a few companies uh, 
speaking about that across the world, uh, researching it a lot, teaching it in Ashoka, in uh, Singularity University <laughs> with Harvard, etc. And uh, uh, just and and actually just completed my well <laughs> second masters in my relative old age uh, in AI and ethics from Cambridge University. Uh, and as uh, Sudhir said, we met actually before my book, Sudhir. Uh, so it's been well more than four years, and uh, we keep on talking about working jointly on how some of these very powerful new technologies can help make uh, India leapfrog and what could be the India model in a sense for these tech and uh, excited to talk about that as we go further. Uh, yeah, so recently you've both collaborated um, on an idea about how generative AI and AI in general could be built in India as a national digital public good. Uh, can you give us some context for this? So, uh, Hari, uh, obviously, AI has been around for a very long time and, you know, it's been doing some, I mean, amazing things, uh, uh, both from an enterprise and a consumer standpoint and, well, a national standpoint. Generative AI, as we know, <laughs> arrived uh, to the public imagination uh, uh, less than a year back and that has brought AI and generative AI and everything surrounding it uh, to the fore pretty much everywhere else in the world. And... Every country has its own model in dealing with and leveraging this technology, both the uses of it as well as the uh, as well as the ethics sector of it. The U.S. obviously is a very uh, corporate-driven structure, working you know its its, its industries, its, its massive big tech companies, etc., are, are at the forefront of innovation, and it's uh, you know uh, that's how that is developing. China. On the other hand, much like the way uh, they did with their internet, is looking at how both the state and the companies work together uh, <clears throat> towards a Chinese narrative. Uh, the EU and UK are mm, focusing a lot on the ethics and the regulation part around it. Uh, and and sometimes, you know, we kind of think that if maybe India is, is kind of left behind. It's not a part of the narrative. It's not a part of the conversation around probably the most single most powerful technology that uh, human beings have invented so far. And and, and that's where uh, Sudhir and I started, you know, brainstorming, chatting over the last few months and hit upon this uh, hit upon this idea, if it may, which we are very excited about, uh, an audacious one, but we've been, India has been known to do audacious things. Uh, and it basically has two components. Uh, one is, which we talked about a lot, about creating an India-specific LLM, a Bharat LLM, if it may, which I'll let Sudhir detail more. But the important part is not creating the LLM. The important part is that how do you take uh, something like that and serve it to the people much in the same way we did with payments and identity and everything else uh, uh, as a built as a massive digital public infrastructure and uh, served to the citizens of 1.4 billion citizens of India as a digital public good. Uh, free in many ways, much like you know, a law and order or clean air or electric or, or clean air or you know such other public goods. Uh, and so, uh, coincidentally, it was also the G20, and you know, the DPI story in India is being talked about and now exported across the world. And we thought that there are um, that if we kind of build. Uh, well, a generative AI or an LLM as a part of the India stack at one layer of the India stack and 
we have the experience to uh, you know then then serve it as a digital public good to uh, the entire population, which could then lead to a huge amount of use cases, uh, India's specific use cases as well as India's specific privacy ethics, which we can detail later uh, during the podcast. But and this idea, uh, Hari, uh, to to kind of conclude is what we then termed Jan AI. Uh, you know, obviously a play on Gen AI as well as Jan means people. And we think that this Jan AI concept would be something unique, which India and a unique model, which India could take to the world in this uh, in this world of AI and uh, generative AI. Uh, so that's that's really what the crux is. And if Sudhir, if you want to add on something here. Yeah, just a few points. Uh, as we are all aware, last decade really uh, has been very transformative from a digital technology point of view. Uh, in India. So when we look at Aadhaar, when we look at UPI in payments, when we look at ONDC, uh, I think that's been re- uh, remarkable. Uh, and India has been calling it the digital public infrastructure, which is available, which just then spawns off uh, a lot of things which people can do, startups can do, uh, incumbent businesses can do. Uh, and that's been very, very transformative, I think, across the board, uh, I think, in India. And uh, what Jasweet and I have been talking and we've been a bit worried about, so if you look at all the uh, context for all the LLMs which are coming out, they've been trained obviously on the huge corpus of information available on the internet. Uh, but most of the internet has been created. Uh, and when I uh, use the word created, it's from a content point of view. All that data is coming in from the West. And uh, there is a Western, uh, I think quite naturally a Western bias to most of the things which are currently uh, out there. So, and if you use any of the tools like ChatGPT uh, on this, uh, it's not surprisingly that while it'll keep learning, I think that uh, bias or alignment is going to be heavily towards, uh, I think, the Western ethos uh, or culture. Uh, and obviously, Jaspreet, uh, as you mentioned, we'll talk about it. Uh, he's doing his master's on ethics, so he's uh, obviously the expert in that uh, space. Uh, but we got thinking that, yeah, India has its own vast amounts of data available in India, maybe not in a digital form, but uh, the digital public goods have also generated a lot of uh, information which sort of can be used with the right AI uh, on top of it. So you can almost say you can supercharge a lot of uh, things with the right uh, tooling. Uh, so you can create an LLM, but and you can hopefully get it running on the stack. And then whether it's an individual or a business or a small business, all of them can leverage that uh, in multiple ways. So that that's the whole uh, thought process, uh, I think, behind this. Uh, I think India clearly knows how to build these public goods. Um, and can we use this uh, for AI? That's the key question. And that was our, uh, that's our current uh, opinion piece that, that really should be done. Can you both uh, talk a bit more about uh, what some of the concerns and challenges are associated with the widespread adoption of generative AI. I mean, you just spoke about uh, the inherent Western bias because they are the ones who have developed pretty much all of this technology. Um, But going forward, as we try and adapt it uh, to our needs, um, can you talk about uh, the existing concerns and challenges a bit more? Look, I think the overall, you know, adverse effects, possibilities rather than effects of these technology are quite well known. 
whether they be related to bias, privacy, you know, uh, fake news, democracy, threatening democracy, or uh, environmental degradation, or even plagiarism and copyrights, etc. And then, you know, people talking about super intelligence and, you know, taking over the world. Well, those are well known, and, you know, I, I will not necessarily repeat those. But I think what is important, uh, and, and, and not only are they well known, but they are being taken up at the highest uh, levels everywhere uh, across the world. Uh, you know, very interestingly and alarmingly, uh, the, there have been only two technologies where the creators themselves have talked about the potential uh, implications and they've only, they've talked about the fact that regulate us, they are appealing to regulate us. This is one and the other was nuclear technology. And the Hiroshima G7, which happened, had Ukraine, China, and regulation of AI as its top three topics. So it's it's being talked about at the right places. You know, it's 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 front and center. But I think what is important, and what Sudhir also alluded to, is that you know not only is the content which is created mostly very very Western oriented, so are the principles and the philosophies around which you know their uh, adverse effects are being uh, sought to be. Uh, uh, you know, sought to be uh, uh, handled. And my work in Cambridge, Hari, a lot of it, in fact, that's why I did my master's, was was to do with the fact that the Indian conception of something like, say, privacy is very different from a Western conception. Yeah. And if we are building, uh, you know, something in India, then, you know, we need to work the guardrails which need to be built cannot be that of, say, individual privacy versus, say, societal privacy, which India is, you know, uh, and, and other Eastern countries are more uh, attuned to. And if we do Jan AI, in fact, that's the other big reason. If we do Jan AI, not only the use cases of which there are legion, and, you know, we can talk about those, uh, but also the way we kind of build guardrails. And we'll have one place to build guardrails, first of all, at the India stack. So we can control that. And the way to build guardrails, say privacy guardrail, would be very different from the way a EU would uh, uh, build that guardrail, for example. And that, you know, and similarly, similarly, uh, it can give multiple uh, possibilities. Uh, so there, if you would like to add something. Yeah, I think uh, the, the, the good way to look at this is uh, there are a lot of problems to be solved in India uh, right now. And uh, these problems are very unique. And with a country like India, uh, with its immense diversity, these solutions for these problems also may change every, I don't know, 500 kilometers. So you can pick a number on that. And one of the key concerns is uh, if you operate on AI systems, uh, which I think as Jaspreet alluded, uh, may have been sort of built with principles which may be foreign to us or alien to us, we will end up implementing wrong solutions, uh, I think, across the country. So that's a big worry. Um, and that's a big concern in, uh, of uh, how the uh, how Gen AI, Gen AI or AI sort of gets used if you really don't, you know, sort of uh, populate or use uh, the local data sets which are really needed uh, to make this happen. Uh, so in terms of the roadblocks or the challenges as we implement this, uh, one is, uh, do we collect enough data and information which is needed across a diverse country like India? Uh, the authenticity of that data, because that will be used to train and tune all these models in the future. Uh, so that's a big area which needs to be worked on. Uh, the other challenge is going to be around the availability of uh, the infrastructure. 
or the race for GPUs. Um, there's already a shortage right now. Hopefully, it'll get. Uh, I think in the next few years, some of that should go down. But the infrastructure really needed to run, uh, you know, these LLMs is, is quite massive. So I, I would say data and the infrastructure uh, availability are going to be two sort of roadblocks or uh, humps on the way. And the big worry is uh, while we don't have that, uh, the pace at which AI will learn, will that just get us into a very tricky spot uh, in terms of we're starting importing solutions which just will not work uh, in India. Mm. Uh, uh, just a brief segue, uh, I, because I'm curious about it and it's something that I learned about more recently. And since you mentioned uh, the GPUs, uh, and, and because you may have done some work on this at uh, ThoughtWorks, I want to know if uh, this whole uh, risk architecture and this open source you know, uh, frameworks and architectures on which people are trying to build microprocessors, if it can make a dent uh, in in an area where Nvidia pretty much dominates uh, AI chips, I am not an expert in that field, but it'll take some time. Uh, it, it'll it'll take time. Uh, chip manufacturing is uh, is complex, uh, and obviously there are various categories of chips which can be built. And I think the lead which Nvidia has right now. Uh, can other people catch up? So it's not only just the design, it's the fabrication which needs to follow. Yeah. Um, and that's quite sophisticated. So um, it's maybe on the design bit, uh, yes, but I, I just think companies like NVIDIA have a current lead. It'll be cut down over a period of time, but um, through the open source uh, designs and everything available, it, it'll take a long time for that to happen is my view. Yeah, and, and Hari, if I may just chime in, uh, I think the NVIDIA moat that they have created is not only the GPUs, as you mentioned, and Sudhir also mentioned it's going to take. It's also that their CUDA, CUDA software, which yeah. pretty much everyone is being trained on right now. Anyone who does work on this, it's become the default. It's like, you know, what, you know, Microsoft's software was with its own products. And so, you know, even when new chips come in, uh, will uh, NVIDIA kind of open up uh, CUDA or, you know, will then they need to have it separate software or OS or on that and you know so I think that's also another big mode beyond just the chips themselves yeah yeah I mean I guess as of now it, their technology is pretty much a fait accompli and I mean you know even companies like Infosys have announced tens of thousands of uh, people being trained on NVIDIA's technologies so I guess I don't think anyone expects that that status quo will change in in the foreseeable future um, anyway uh, it's just something that I was curious about. Um, let's uh, let me bring it back to uh, this topic um, that we were talking about. Uh, as of today, what do we know about uh, what the government of India has done so far, and uh, what ministries like the Electronics and IT Ministry and uh, you know departments like uh, the Department of Science and Technology, uh, what they have already done so far in terms of. Uh, where they want to take the country uh, on AI? Yeah. So uh, there was a paper which was released uh, a couple of years back, Hari, maybe, uh, which, which is AI for Good. Uh, huh. 
the niti ayog paper was it niti ayog paper oh. uh, and it it did outline uh, which again is quite unique is how can ai sort of be used and then uh, almost reach uh, every indian and uh, that paper did detail i think a lot of information around how ai can be used in the fields of education can be used in the field of uh, you know health can be used in the field of agriculture uh, so uh, and this was around the time where i think a lot of countries uh, did recognize that the uh, power the uh, a technology like ai has to offer and how that can be really used across uh, the spectrum uh, so that that's been the key uh, thing which came out uh, and this is a few years back uh, and then obviously the current thing around the data protection laws which i believe is so crucial uh, as we start building our data sets i would say that's the other key thing which has uh, i think come out uh, i think from the government uh, so far uh, apart from that there are obviously labs and iits in other places which have started doing work uh, in in this space uh, which is now some of them might look at building uh, what i think some of us are calling bharat llms uh, but trying to get the data sets uh, trying to uh, so there, there are projects like where we're trying to collect uh, voice data uh, across India in different languages. Uh, and th- there's an open source uh, tool, Bhashini, out there in which you can actually record and contribute. So I think these are the efforts which are going on. And all of this really needs to come together uh, in a big way. And I, I'm not aware of anything big which has happened on that front uh, or any announcement which has happened on that front so far. Yeah. And, and and just to take off from there, Hari, in fact, that's exactly what we are suggesting. That look, there are multiple of these happening. It started with that Niti Aayog paper, as Sudhir said, and it was actually a very distinct, even I remember I was in Cambridge and I used to look at, we used to look at rather, you know, different AI papers from different countries and this kind of paper set it apart. But the paper was principles, it was its theory. How do you kind of take that and the multiple other initiatives like Bhashini that he mentioned, uh, Sudhir mentioned, and, you know, into one AI, national AI mission, in a sense, because that's what is called for. That's what other countries are doing. And we believe that that national AI mission could be this Jan AI thing, because we've already built the infrastructure. We know how to do this. We know how to govern this, you know, the governance of UPI, Aadhaar. We have created these public-private kind of bodies. We have... uh, 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 experience in getting a government, uh, private uh, sector, uh, and uh, academia together to create this. Uh, Reliance and Tata, as you're aware, have signed big uh, GPU contracts with uh, NVIDIA, and you know those can be brought in. Uh, there's so much data available, as Sudhir alluded to. You know, one of the things we talk about is take all the All India Radio recordings ever, for example, or the All Doordarshan recordings ever, for example. They're digital, you know, and they can give that you know, bring that India context, etc. I just want to complete, I just want to add one more thing with your permission, Hari, uh, is, is on the use cases themselves. I mean, I'm sure you've seen Jugalbandi, which, uh, uh, yeah. you know, ThoughtWorks was involved in building. And, you know, that's just one little thing. Now think of that Jugalbandi, which is, you know, government programs for uh, underprivileged. Think of a Jugalbandi for education. Think of a Jugalbandi for primary health. Think of a Jugalbandi for... Uh, legal rights. Think of a Jugalbandi for financial inclusion. I mean, you know, with, with the kind of data which the India stack itself is spewing out, plus all the other data sets which we need to get in, uh, there's a massive opportunity here which could serve, you know, uh, 
the people and bring that AI for good and in some sense AI for all that uh, the paper had expounded into a concrete initiative, something which we have an experience of doing. And I, I think that it's something which a lot of other countries would also adopt, uh, giving us that leadership, much like they are trying to adopt the whole DPI thing today. What are your initial thoughts in terms of, uh, in practical terms, how we go about building this? So, a uh, few things. Uh, first is we obviously, as I mentioned earlier, there is support needed to get the right infrastructure in place. Uh, so, a lot of governments, uh, what we've been following closely, I think globally, are in the process of uh, procuring the, you know, the GPU infrastructure, uh, primarily for research, uh, right now in most of the countries. Uh, but that would, I think, be a key cornerstone that we really secure the infrastructure which is needed if we if we want this to be floated. One, uh, I think, as a as, as a public good, uh, that that would be one. Second is uh, w- which we believe will can spawn up a whole ecosystem of startups and other firms is how do you? Um, I would almost use the term crowdsource all the data sets w- which are needed. And uh, now th- these are not just central data sets or uh, stuff which can come out of uh, universities. These, these are data sets from every corner in every part of India, um, and th- that we believe uh, authentic data sets which. Uh, I'm sure people will be able to build a business around in terms of acquiring, maintaining the health of, of those data sets and, uh, you, you know, just, just giving it around and maybe selling uh, some of them. So I think there will be rules and regulations which would be needed, uh, which I think are covered with the data privacy law. But I think that's another area of development which would be needed. So get the infrastructure, get the data sets. Uh, we believe we have enough talent uh, within India uh, right now for people who would actually need to take the uh, likely open source algorithms which are available right now, but then start running this whole exercise of uh, one, one training the foundational models and then probably having different versions on top of it, which could focus on education, which can focus on health, which can focus on, uh, you know, financial, uh, on the, in the financial space. Uh, and, and then releasing this and uh, in, in some form where other businesses can then start picking up each one of these. So they can pick up a foundational model, which... Uh, is trained on heaps of data, and then they can fine-tune that, uh, I think, for their needs. Or we would assume there could be a foundational model, let's say, for health, on which a lot of health startups can start picking that up and uh, sort of using it. So I would say getting the infrastructure in place is going to be uh, the, the first point. Uh, how do we collate? We, we need some policy around how do we get the right data sets available, uh, I think, with the right authenticity, uh, I think, around it. Uh, talent, I really don't think it's going to be that big of a problem. Uh, there is enough talent on in, uh, in India around AI and enough enthusiastic people who would contribute to this. And the fourth thing to add to the troika of uh, uh, data and uh, infrastructure and talent is governance, uh, Hari. Uh, you know, and again, we have examples, uh, we have experience in that. So, you know, we would probably need a UIDAI or an NPCI or, um, you know, or a similar body, uh, which uh, uh, would then, you know, kind of take the responsibility of building this and rolling it out. Uh, And I think those are really the four things. And I think all these four things would need to be done, as I alluded before, uh, in a a three-way participation between the government, the private sector, and uh, uh, academia. Hmm. 
just a small not, not really a question but a, a small observation kind of reacting to the crowdsourcing aspect of this uh, kind of jogged my memory you both might have come across this recently uh, i think this uh, is it uh, itc or uh, one of these uh, uh, companies fmcg companies has started this campaign ad campaign with uh, sharukh khan uh, yeah, yeah. where you can take a selfie and uh, create these sort of generative ai based uh, visual scenarios you find your picture alongside sharukh khan in some kind of an advertisement for this uh, dark fantasy uh, cookie or something um, and i think we are not yet having a conversation in india about uh, some of the problems around these kinds of campaigns although the the innovation innovative aspects of the campaign i think uh, has caught the attention of a lot of people um just just an observation and of course i would welcome your thoughts on uh, how what was your first reaction when you saw it if you have seen it well dark fantasy seems to be quite a appropriate name hari <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 that's something that i thought of as well yeah i i i haven't seen the campaign uh, hari uh, to be honest i read about it i haven't seen it i stopped seeing television many years back frankly okay but but um but look i think it's two things i would say one that i think we can have far more powerful and useful use cases than this uh, but two to come to your point uh, look i think that's the key thing right how do we balance what good it can do versus the issues around it and uh, uh, actually the narrative globally has kind of come to this how do we do this and you know initially when chat gpt came out first 3 4 months was just breathless excitement but then the narrative kind of changed or also started to include the other sides the issues around it some of which i listed earlier um i do think that in india also uh, i think that both the narratives are there um uh and and a lot of enterprises are being very careful in terms of how they adopt uh generative ai especially because of the issues involved i i sometimes think that we kind of tend to swing between the two and go to both extremes uh you know if the we sometimes think that it's going to just make everything better it's going to disrupt every industry it's going to solve world hunger it's going to make cars fly okay and then on the other side we also think that it's going to kill us all and i i don't think either of the two extremes is the right extreme honestly uh and uh at the end of it it's a super powerful tool which we need to figure out how to use well uh and yes there will be some aberrations along the way but i'm reasonably confident that we'll kind of model through and learn how to uh, use this well for things which are actually useful to us uh and as so I'm, i'm a bit of an optimist there mm. and uh, just we just when i think your governance point is crucial because uh Uh, right now in a lot of our chat groups there are discussions around because uh, ev- everyone needs obviously humongous amounts of data to train these models but this whole concept of synthetic data which can be created using the same you know, set of llms which can be used to now train some other llms uh, that uh, i i think should be a big worry uh, especially when we are starting if you're building something from scratch uh, and that's the governance and the authenticity around that data is going to be so crucial and that's going to be quite a i think a debatable point Uh, in my view so we need to get that right at the beginning uh, the data protection laws the governance around this uh, and once you have that strong uh, you know platform 
then I think building stuff should hopefully be a lot more easier and a lot more authentic on top of it. One thing that, I mean, again, I guess it, this is related to governance as well. And when you were talking about UI, DAI, this is also the question in my mind that how do we uh, kind of regulate all of this without stifling the innovation side of, side of things? And and I was wondering if we need another institution like the UIDAI or can they themselves do this? Uh, and also, I wanted to add the following uh, context. I mean, if you uh, look at the success of India's uh, payments, uh, you know, infrastructure, digital infrastructure, it's sort of independent of uh, uh, any of the large players, whereas it's also managed to include all of them, whether it's Google or uh, anyone else. Um, so it kind of works with everyone, but also has uh, created a level of independence for India. Um, on the other hand, uh, with with uh, generative AI, how do we ensure that uh, we have a similar kind of uh, independent, uh, you know, stance there? Uh, since you mentioned Jugalbandi, I was thinking that Jugalbandi runs on WhatsApp, and that is uh, Meta's uh, platform. Similarly, other solutions today, many of them run on WhatsApp or on Instagram or some other private, uh, privately owned and big tech owned platform. Uh, so how do we, I mean, I'm just sort of muddling through my question. I understand because it's not really clear in my head as well. But what I'm trying to get at is, can we achieve a similar kind of uh, independent way in which we can build these things where the underlying platforms are not sort of controlled by big tech or, or corporate businesses and so on. Yeah. No, Hari, in fact, uh, uh, you have said something which is, is, is quite relevant. And just just very quickly on the first, you had really two questions. On the first one, you know, do we need a separate kind of body to regulate? Look, I, I think what I've been, we've been propounding is not a separate body to regulate AI, but if we have to do Jan AI, we need perhaps a separate body to roll out Jan AI, and that might include the regulation part also. Uh, we need a UIDAI kind of body. Sure, for the sake of argument, yes, sure, UIDAI scope can also be expanded to include Jan AI, but I think Jan AI itself is massive, big enough to warrant a separate kind of a governance, which is, is, is a regulation, but beyond that is also the rolling out the whole uh, data plus infrastructure and everything else that we talked about. Uh, we need kind of that is one part. The second part, which you said is actually, you know, Sudhir and I, when we were talking in another forum, actually said this, you know, the, the, the worry was that, you know, Big Tech will run away with it and, and or they will oppose it, something like this, which was more uh, of thing. And our answer, my answer to this was that, look, if you exactly to what you said, if you look at UPI especially, it's kind of, we've managed to find a model where the, the country and the citizens control the underlying infrastructure. But on top of that, everyone, entrepreneurs, Indian companies and global big tech companies can actually leverage that and, you know, build services and products which, you know, uh, enhance their own offerings and they therefore have leapt onto this. I mean, even the ONDC platform, for example, the, uh, Amazon is actively, uh, has actively signed on to that. So I think and that's why I keep on saying the industry, government, academia model. So I think, again, we don't have to reinvent any wheel. 
we don't have to create a wheel. We have created the right wheel. We know how to do this. And uh, therefore, uh, you know, we just have to make sure that the same way that we did that, that with the same principles, rules, etc., we do Jan AI also. And I think just to your point, that mindset shift, uh, I feel in the India ecosystem has already happened. And uh, yeah. whether it's a startup or established companies, uh, they, they just realize that. Uh, they realized what's available and uh, how that can be leveraged. Uh, so, and, and I, I agree with you, whether it's an NPCI kind of body or a UIDI kind of body, uh, I think uh, something would be needed for this rollout, uh, maybe part of the governance uh, which comes in. Uh, Hari, your uh, other point, and that's where the data protection laws come in. So, uh, a lot of these big tech, uh, this could be platforms on which applications will actually run. And uh, I think as an end user, you really choose what kind of data you're willing to leave or the footprint you're willing to leave with them. And uh, that obviously means a lot of education for people on what that means. Uh, even if you, uh, I'm just uh, amazed on uh, when you have to choose which cookies a website uh, or you want a website to allow, just the different permutations and combinations which come up right now. It just seems to be a battle of a designer versus you. Just trying to figure out how, how uh, what's the best way you to say uh, yes to the maximum number of cookies while I would try and go and say no to a maximum uh, amount if I could. So I, I think that that thing is going to go on. I think education will be needed. The default uh, rules and regulations will be needed uh, around that. Uh, but the hope is uh, there'll be a lot of uh, products which come up, which uh, run on these tech platforms. Uh, but the user is in control of uh, you know their data. Uh, so to speak. So I can choose, I want to divulge this information because in the future there will be uh, some AI which maybe runs on my phone, which gives me the needed information which I need. Uh, that could be around health, that could be around education when I'm learning something. So those are the educated choices which I would want to make. Uh, but to roll that out at an India level, that's going to be a humongous challenge. That's, uh, that, that's not going to be easy. Very nice. A any other points that you want to highlight before we wrap up? As Jasmeet said, it, it, it is a big audacious idea, right? Right from the infrastructure, from the data which is needed. Uh, but this is a transformational technology. And uh, I just feel India as a country has made that head start on digital public infrastructure and digital public goods. Uh, we've got the mindset in the uh, industry, I think with the government, uh, so we've, we've got the platform which is really needed to turbocharge this. Um, so that, that's what really excites us and um, really looking forward to something happening on the back of this. Yeah, I just wanted to say the same thing, Hari, that, you know, sometimes only a transformational technology does not help. You need a transformational model uh, along with the transformational technology, whether it be a transformational business model if you're a business or a transformational uh, citizen model or deployment model if you're a country and here we are kind of sitting at the confluence of the two biggest most audacious to reuse that word things that uh, two most audacious technology occurrences that have happened perhaps this decade or this century which is digital public infrastructure and AI plus generative AI and we have this opportunity to kind of merge the both one of them is a model one of them is a technology and both of them are super powerful and here is and we've have them with us and here's an opportunity with jan ai to uh, 
uh, you know, build this transformational model around this transformation technology and make it to 1.4 billion Indians and then who knows, many other billions in the world. And we just hope that this kind of conversation takes some momentum and is heard at the right places so that, you know, people can uh, discuss the merits, demerits of it and hopefully take it forward. Uh, uh, so that's, that's really what I want to say. Okay, uh, Sudhir, Jaspreet, uh, thank you again both for your time and for sharing this with us. Definitely hope to keep the conversation going. Thanks, Hari. Thanks, Peter. Thanks again, Hari, and look forward to chatting. That's it for this conversation. I hope you found it interesting. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast app. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.